Welcome to the Joy of Sunflowers podcast. We release podcasts here, in part and in full, on the Joy of Sunflowers website. The Joy of Sunflowers podcast is about sisterhood through infertility and pregnancy loss. We cover a range of topics including fertility, pregnancy after loss and so much more. I speak with a range of people including wellness professionals, medical experts and beautiful mamas. The aim of this podcast is to bring you information and experiences that will validate and equip you for whatever season you find yourself in right now. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome. And um, please tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. I love the retreats and all that. Please tell people about it because it's just amazing. Sure thing. Uh, My name is Jennifer Caton and I am living currently in the Seattle, Washington area in the United States. Um, I attended my first, uh, return to zero retreat. So return to zero is a nonprofit started by a woman named Kylie Hanish. And, um, 2015, a friend said, you've got to go to this. You have to a friend who'd also lost her baby. And, um, I was nervous. I was scared. It cost a chunk of money. And she said, no, just, just crowdfund, go for it, do it. So I was able to crowdfund, able to go to this beautiful retreat. And, um, and it just was lovely. It was a space where I could nourish my body, my soul, my spirit, and connect with my babies and with other moms who've also gone through very similar experiences. And, um, and a couple years later, uh, Kylie asked me to lead a retreat in um, at the same location with her for uh, attendees and participants. So was able to do that. And then starting in, when the pandemic hit, um, our, you know, everybody went online. Um, but the support groups, the virtual support groups began with support, Return to Zero. So since the p- pandemic hit in 2000, well, late 2019, um, we actually started the group. So then by spring of 2020, we're in the full swing of leading support groups online, virtually from, and so anybody can join from wherever they are in the world. Um, and so our support groups um, are very inclusive of any type of loss. So we have pregnancy infant loss for birthing the birthing parent. We have a pregnancy infant loss for couples. We have um, uh TMFR groups, so terminating for medical reasons, and we have um, early miscarriage. So any loss, um, and actually, I don't want to say early miscarriage. It's early pregnancy loss, which encompasses um, a whole lot of different types of losses before 12 weeks gestation. And then um, recurrent loss and infertility, people experiencing multiple losses or even facing infertility um, journey. And then um, we also have retreats about twice a year still. Um, right now, they're geared towards women only or, you know, as people who identify as um, as women or feminine, female. It's so hard because I don't want to, we don't want, we say we're inclusive, but we don't also want to exclude anyone who's not identifying on the binary. So um, anyway, so that's what we're doing. That's what I'm doing. And I also... And helping moderate war, um, workshops and or setting up workshops, running um, running them behind the scenes, but also webinars we're moderating. So a lot of Return to Zero is 
the family facing, supporting families as they're on their journey towards parenthood. And then the other side of it is also really getting to those medical providers, social workers, counselors, hospital workers, anybody who is helping families like us. So um, so we have a meetup once a month for medical providers. We have um, web webinars that happen. That way, you know, the people who typically don't know how to support us beyond the physical, beyond, hey, you look good, you're ready to go or whatever, you know, you look fine, but then mentally, how are we supposed to move forward? How are we supposed to live with this? Um, it just happened, you know, and whatever it is, early miscarriage, stillbirth, an infant, you know, like whatever it is. Um, how do we support these families? What What's a holistic um, type of support going forward? And so what we find in our groups is it's peer support. People come in, they share their stories, they find out they're not alone. They get to share their story and find out um, I'm also feeling and thinking all these things, as well as um, my favorite is like the groups just gel into sometimes, sometimes, not always, but most times these groups just gel into a group and they're, they've shared so much. They've been so vulnerable. And this is what happens at the retreats too, where it's like, oh gosh, I hate that this happened to me, but my God, thank God these people are here. And I I've found like-minded support. And that in itself is very, very healing because we just can't go it alone. We can't do this in isolation. Yeah, I've heard so much of that. Like a lot of women, they say, you know, this is this is the worst club with the best members because um, we all just love each other. Like we know we know what we're going through. We know we've got this amazing connection, and it's amazing how all the emotions are pretty much the same in terms of you know what they are. It's just varying degrees, of course, depending on whereabouts you are in that lost journey. Um, but it's yeah, it, we we can really truly connect and become almost like a family, you know, like mm-hmm. a yeah, very sad family, but a family. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. It it is um, as we say, or of how, what I've found personally is that they're just people who get it. I don't have to explain anything if I'm triggered in my grief, fresh out of a loss. I had friends who just got it. If I'm parenting after loss, I have friends who just get it. But along the way, um, I'm, I feel so lucky to have these people. And that's what we're cultivating. I think in our groups is lifelong friendships, friends, especially at the retreats too, lifelong friendships and community of people who just get it and understand the uniqueness of these types of losses because society, society, and it just sweeps it under the rug, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I've been hearing a lot of like, uh, people saying chemical losses and, and things like this, like chemical pregnancy. I'm just like, stop doing that. It, you know, it's a pregnancy loss. Just call it. I know the labels. Yeah. The labels are, are what they are, but emotionally, and that's the thing, what we go through physically can be defined. It can be explained away medically but emotionally is a totally different story and um yeah holistic healing from a trauma-informed space Mm. 
really embodies all of those, our mind, our body, and our spirit mm. need attention, love, compassion, care, need to be witnessed. That's another part of the groups where people share their stories and they get witnessed. And some of them are sharing their story for the very first time, wow. possibly weeks out from a loss, and they're being witnessed, which the power of that is in a non-judgmental, contained space, they're being held, heard, seen, validated. These are things that I wish the medical community could do for us further, but thank God there's, you know, there's spaces that do exist we need more of them but yeah we need what we all in this life no matter what we go through need validation we need love we want to feel seen yeah yeah and I mean you you guys are doing that you guys are, are creating that and that's just so amazing and so many women I'm sure listening right now would would really um like can really kind of connect with that and and probably want to go on one of these retreats I know not everyone can because, yeah, money and, you know, raising money can sometimes be a bit of a uh, hard thing to do. So, yeah, but it, yeah, I, I mean, every time you've sort of told me about it because I, I, we've spoken before and I've also looked at the um, Instagram as well and uh, I'm always like, oh, I just, I want to go on one. I wish I could go on one, <laughs> but I am in Australia. So I know you had one here before. So maybe I think the first one, I think the first one was there in 15, yeah. March of 15. I think it was. Yeah. So the thing about the fundraising is um, I am a privileged woman born, you know, had people around me who were like quietly waiting in the wings. I really love Jen, but I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to support her. And that's where the money came from to go to retreat. Not everybody has support like that. And we do offer scholarships and often alumni groups will send people to the retreats, but we don't want to turn anyone away, especially for support groups. There is a charge, but we also have, you can reach out and, you know, if you, can't afford or not, not can't afford, but if you, if, if it's just too pricey for where you're at in life, just reach out to us. We don't want to turn anyone away for support groups, but I was surprised when I went to go fundraise for my um, retreat, people were like, oh my gosh, here, here you go. Here's some money. Here's some money. And I was able to just, it really felt like, like love, you know, people going, okay, here, here's a way, here's a way for people who can also fundraise and and get help from their their community. Yeah, I think um, it's that it's one of those things. Like a lot of people don't know what to say, they don't know what to do, but they still want to do something. They still want to help you. And you're right. Like that is one way that you can kind of be like, yes, you can help me this way. <laughs> but yeah, there's um, it's it's a very tricky thing for family and friends, I think, because if they haven't actually gone through it, it's like you said, some people just get it, you know. And I'm sure at those retreats, you have moments where you just sit. And it's quiet and no one says anything because there's no need to because you all know how you feel and you you have this kind of understanding. And so many women say, oh, I just wish that I could just sit silently with people. <laughs> so it's, yeah, what, you're, what you guys are providing is just so amazing. Um, can, we, can we go a bit more into your story um, so people can know more about you and, and what your journey has been? Sure thing. Um, so 
as long as I can remember, wanted to be a mom surrounded by big family. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get married and I'm going to have kids by the time I'm 35. This is a great plan. And so um, got married at 30 in 2008. By 2009, we found ourselves accidentally pregnant, surprisingly. And um, I had fertilized two sacks and started being and it ended in an early miscarriage, unfortunately. Um, I had flown up from Los Angeles, where we were living, to Seattle to share the news, the good news with my parents, and started to bleed that weekend. Um, and I didn't know back then that um, bleeding can be a normal part of pregnancy. Like, I had no clue. Um, and so the midwife was like, well, this could be nothing. You could be having twins. You could be having, there could be one blighted ovum, could be a full miscarriage. We don't know. And it end, unfortunately ended in a full miscarriage, um, which was very, very sad, devastating for us. Um, and yet it told us and made us feel like, Hey, I think we're ready to be parents because we weren't actively trying to be parents, but we got, you know, got pregnant. And so 2010 rolled around and um, found ourselves pregnant uh, March of 20 of 2010. And it was a full, beautiful pregnancy. I had really good care. And in the 41st week on Wednesday, so this is like the mid middle of the, um, 41st week had a non-stress test and it was a, I had a boy, um, James, we named him and he was doing great. And the doctor said, okay, we should induce you on Friday. And I said, oh, wait a minute, you know, I really don't want to push this. I was late. I was a week late. My husband was a week late. Um, maybe we can get, you know, labor going naturally and see what happens. And sure enough, came on the next day, I started to labor. And I labored at home as the hospital told me to do until I got to 411, 511, you know, just getting my contractions close together. And unfortunately, um, by Saturday, I was in full labor and my uh, I my water broke. It was meconium stained. So James had had a bowel movement inside of me. And so we rushed to the hospital and there was no heartbeat. So I think what happened was he likely passed away sometime on Thursday to Friday, most likely. I thought I felt him move, but when you're in full labor, it's hard to tell because your uterus is contracting it crazy. So our lives were upside down, inside out, as you can imagine, as a lot of your listeners will understand. And um, we, let's see, what did they do? They pumped me with Pitocin. They wanted to open me up. They gave me an epidural. It didn't work because there was an infection that they still had yet to find. And, um, and thank God I was okay coming out of it looking back. So I had a C-section the next day on December 5th, which is the day we celebrate as his birthday now. Um, and James was beautiful, gorgeous little baby boy, 8.2 pounds, 21 inches, looked like had a long body, like my husband and my face. Um, and we got to spend time with him. We got pictures of him. Family got to meet him. Um, but I was very much in shock physically, emotionally. So I was, I think I was in freeze for a while. I was in shock and, um, we had to make all those decisions of like, gotta go to the, go to, 
go to a funeral home and talk about cremation. And in the days after when my milk's coming in, I mean, it was so, it is so messed up what we go through thinking that for me thinking like I'm going to have a baby. And then I didn't have a baby. I didn't bring him home. You know, he's in the morgue at the hospital. So absolutely, absolutely devastated. And I was on maternity leave at that point for my job. My husband was out of work, unfortunately. And here we are. Um, and then people asking us, Hey, where's the baby? What happened? And it's like, you know, have to having to tell family and call family and all that. So after that, we went into a deep sorrow, of course, and I was laid off a few months later from my job and my husband was up for a job and we said, okay, if you get this job, let's stay in Los Angeles. If you don't, I think it's a sign that we're supposed to go North and go. Cause we had been talking about maybe moving to Seattle and sure enough, they laid off like half the workforce at this company where he was up for a job. So we ended up moving to the Seattle area in 2011, moved in with my parents who have a nice home and we could recover somewhat from what we've been through and look for work and rebuild. And we did. And it was the best choice we ever could have made because we had instant support. We had nature abundantly around us, which was very healing. And we waited to try again until we were really um, in a better space, headspace. And so 2013 rolled around and I had a new doctor and got pregnant. And unfortunately, I went in for an ultrasound at 16 weeks, no heartbeat, just all of a sudden, no heartbeat. So here I am, an early loss, a still stillbirth, and now a second trimester loss, and going into an abortion clinic to have a DE. And it was the most humane experience, actually, going into that clinic. I loved it. They were incredible, and I didn't have to feel a thing, hear a thing. I could just, they took good care of me. And I kept asking the doctors, even there at the clinic, why? Why is this happening to me? Why, why, why? So 2014, pregnant again, excited, but very, very nervous. And so I went in for a routine check at about 15 weeks. And to my surprise, another no heartbeat appointment. And this was with a new doctor, a new hospital. This is with University of Washington in a very, very good hospital, um, fetal maternal medicine. I had been pushing for extra testing. I mean, I just was pushing for answers forever. And again, they tested the fetus. They tested me, MRI, everything and nothing. They said, you're good to go. You're good to try again. I went, are you kidding me? So that is when we really spun out around that time in 2014. I was livid. I said, get me off this train. I am going to go through different doorways I'm going to find answers. I don't want to be 80 and regret that I didn't look under every rock and try to find, there's got to be answers out there. I just, that was just who I was. I think it was a little bit of desperation mixed with anxiety, mixed with trauma. It was all of it together. And my husband, I think he started smoking again. I mean, it's like all these, oh yeah, oh yeah we just... I mean, I want to be honest about it, right? Because this affects relationships, affects affects the relationships with ourselves, with each other. Our relationship, our marriage took a spin. And um, and I I my analogy of that time of my life is I was driving the speedboat 
to try and find answers in our life of how do we have a family? Why is this happening to me? And I got the okay from my husband to drive the boat and to go through these doorways. And he's in the back looking at the bills coming in and going, what, why are you doing this? What's happening? Why is this going? Why, why are you doing this? Why are you going through these doorways? I mean, it was just so chaotic, right? We just were angry and upset that all of this had been happening to us. And so I ended up leaving my job. Actually, that's when I went to the retreat. So 2015, went to the retreat. And then I started a fertility acupuncture. And I learned a lot about my body. I learned that I was very much um, out of whack in my cycle. Um, And I was surprisingly getting pregnant. So I was actually a very fertile woman getting pregnant at a time when hormonally I probably shouldn't have been. Um, so she really, really helped me. This incredible woman, um, Christina Jackson of Tiger Mountain Acupuncture here in is just north of me in Issaquah. Um, amazing woman. I saw her for three years and she recommended for nutrition that I go see um, a naturopathic fertility doctor. And so I went and did that and learned. I really hope you enjoyed the first part of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit thejoyofsunflowers.com. Please note that all speakers, including experts and professionals, express information, views and opinions that should not be used to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any medical conditions. If you have a medical issue, please consult a qualified professional. Speakers voice their own views, opinions and conclusions and they may not reflect the views, opinions and conclusions of other speakers. Ella Rose, The Joy of Sunflowers and its sponsors may not endorse all or any of the views, opinions or conclusions expressed.